It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Greenbelt, Lock and Dam Logger presents the 22nd season of Fantasy Football Weekly on The Fan. Now, with SafeLeagues.com's Brian Johnson, here from LeagueSafe.com are Christian Peterson, Matt Harrison, and The Fan's Paul Charchian. Hello, Canterbury! Good morning, everybody! Wow, what a crowd. Who here loves fantasy football? Oh, are we going to have fun over the next four hours? It is, uh, it is a great day. This is, uh, you know, we've been doing this now seven, eight years. This is as many people as we've ever had. And look at the venue. We've got tables. You've got something to write on. You can take notes. We've got free gifts in the back, including the ability to win Ryder Cup tickets uh, and tickets to Metallica. We've got food. This is, a, this is a fantastic venue. We're delighted to be at Canterbury. Many thanks to them. The Minnesota Lottery and the New Vikings Scratch-Off Game and O'Reilly Auto Parts for sponsoring this. Because how much did you pay to get in? Nothing. Exactly. We appreciate them covering all of these costs and, uh, and bringing everybody here. We are set for a great four hours of fantasy football nerdery. The first two hours will be on the air. The last two hours will be up on audiovisual. It'll be the deep dive stuff. If, uh, if you're listening now, there's still time to come down. It's raining outside. Your, your honey-do list has been washed out for the day. So you can still come on down and uh, join the fun. Uh, I'm, I, I'm guessing we're looking at the better part of 1,000 people right now, which is unbelievable. Thank you so much for coming down, bringing your friends. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it is great to be here, and we are going to have a great time. Over the course of the show today... Uh, we are going to do uh, some reviews from all the news from the preseason games of the last week. We're going to do five tough questions, which we always do, of course. Identifying which uh, teams have bell cow running backs that you can depend on to get all the carries and which ones don't. Uh, I think I mentioned five tough questions and, as always, the reach around. So plenty to get to today on Fantasy Football Weekly. Uh, let me introduce my co-hosts. You hear them, but you don't always get to see them. Christian Peterson, Matt Harrison, Brian Johnson. These are the guys who toil away at executing this show every week. Please uh, make them feel welcome. Appreciate that. As most of you know, the, putting together this show, as you listen, is not a trivial. Uh, it's not a trivial job. These guys work really, really hard at it. So, uh, many, uh, many thanks to them. Okay, we've got. We, I mentioned we have a lot of giveaways. Uh, we're going to be giving away an O'Reilly Auto parts prize pack once every hour we're going to give away uh minnesota vikings prize pack for scratch off lottery tickets and at the end of the show a pair of metallica tickets they're playing tonight at u.s bank stadium that would be pretty damn awesome uh all right let's uh let's dive into the uh, let's dive into the the good stuff and some of these storylines that have emerged from uh, the preseason games and news from the league and we begin with uh, Christian, Philadelphia taking on Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, th I think the biggest news here was uh, has nothing to do with this actual game. It was that Le'Veon Bell's suspension yesterday was reduced to just three games. 
uh, instead of four. So um, maybe that pushes his ADP up a little bit. I think a, a lot of us uh, up here are a little skeptical of Bell for uh, other reasons in addition to just the mm -hmm. suspension. But uh, if you wanted Bell, uh, you're going to get him a game earlier than you, uh, than you thought you might. So that's probably the, the biggest news here as far as the game went. Uh, Bell did not play. Ben Roethlisberger did not play. Antonio Brown did not play. Marcus Wheaton did not play. <laughs> yes. It uh, makes the whole sitting Teddy Bridgewater thing seem, you know, a, a lot less mysterious when you look at yeah. how many quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks, didn't play. Yeah, it seems like more of a trend these days that, that mm -hmm. es especially the established starting quarterbacks just aren't playing as much in the preseason. So uh, we'll, we'll try to glean what we can from this one. I think Sammy Coates on the, on the Pittsburgh side is the most interesting guy here, uh, kind of a favorite wide receiver sleeper of a lot of people this year he was just okay he caught two uh two passes for 30 yards uh, also ran a bad route on one of landry jones's four interceptions yes uh wow. so jones not looking good as the backup there uh people also seem to get, uh, be getting excited about this eli rogers uh kind they of a, a little guy second year guy he had four mm -hmm. catches for 39 yards uh playing out of the slot so maybe a guy to watch for because um behind antonio brown it's pretty much wide open here i think people are expecting sammy Coates to step up uh, but if he doesn't, uh, Eli Rogers kind of a kind of a name to keep an eye on over the next few weeks. All right. Okay. On the Philadelphia side, again, not much to see here. Uh, Ryan Matthews um, didn't play too much. His backup appears now to be Kenyon Barner, who yeah. actually had a pretty good uh, pretty good game. He's been a, he's been very good in the preseason over the last couple of years. But uh, in this game, he had six carries for 41 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Wendell Smallwood, their rookie, who I think people were expecting to back up Ryan Matthews. He's, is not, nowhere, he's been hurt. He's nowhere to be seen. So yeah. Barner's the guy that you want uh, if you have drafted Ryan Matthews, and you absolutely probably need to handcuff Ryan Matthews, as we've learned in the past. All right. Uh, let's go to Cincinnati taking on uh, Detroit. Matt. Yeah, um, Jeremy Hill had a nice little nine-yard touchdown run in the game, but then he got injured, hurt his hand, and left mm -hmm. the game. So it was nice to see Jeremy Hill running and, and getting, the, getting the carry near the stripe, but uh, leaving with a hand injury is never good. Um, the other, the other storyline in Cincy was uh, rookie Tyler Boyd had another nice catch this time for a touchdown. He's battling for the number two wide receiver spot across from uh, A.J. Green. Yeah. And uh, he's looked good. He's pretty exciting. He, he is. He, he might be a guy that uh, we feature a little bit later in the show. It won't be much of a battle for him. To it win probably won't be much of a battle. Uh, on the Detroit side, it was Marvin Jones getting his revenge against the Bengals, <laughs> the big revenge game in preseason. Four catches for 65 yards, including a 32-yarder. Um, Matthew Stafford at 113 yards on uh, eight completions. They're not going to be afraid to have him chuck the ball, even with Ke uh, Calvin Johnson gone this year. Agreed. I think, I think that Stafford's going to be chucking it a lot this season. All right, let's go to Atlanta taking on uh, Cleveland. Brian. Uh, the only Falcon worth talking about was Devontae Freeman, who looked really good. Four carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Yep. A really nice 19-yard touchdown run. Got to the outside faster than everybody else. Uh, that was about it for Atlanta. RG3 looked great for Cleveland. Two beautiful touchdown passes to Terrell Pryor. Uh, Terrell Pryor Sr. Sr. Right. Don't want to confuse not, that. Not, not baby Terrell not, Pryor. Not, not original Terrell. And uh, Gary Barnage. And uh, keep your eye on Pryor. I mean... He's had two long touchdown catches. He's a converted he quarterback, as we all know. Yep. Freakish athlete. I might have to bring him up later uh, in the day, so we'll stop there. Uh, RG3 has been shockingly competent so far, and uh, that's uh, that's certainly one that we're going to have to keep. Uh, I, I had kind of shockingly kind of written him off, and I, I'm excited that he might he might actually be a viable quarterback for that offense. So shockingly average. <laughs> well, well, shockingly average for that. Look, that's an upgrade for, for RG3. Let's be honest, average. We would take that. 
Chicago took on uh, the Patriots. Jeremy Langford looked good. Ran for seven yards a carry, and he scored a touchdown. And uh, Jordan Howard, the backup, ran with the third string and, and didn't do a lot with it. And the second stringer has been Jaquise Rogers, who's awful. I think there's a scenario here where Jeremy Langford's going to get a little more use than people think, and we're going to talk more about that later in the show. Uh, Kevin White caught another one pass, which now brings his preseason total to two. Um, I think it might be a slow start of the season for Kevin White, if this is any indication. For New England, my guy, Jimmy Garoppolo, looking great. (laughs) Throwing lasers around, 16 of 21, 181 yards, a touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Chris Hogan was uh, led the starting wide receivers and scored on a conversion. How about LeGarrette Blunt rumbling for a touchdown in six yards per carry? Mm. Every time we try to rule out LeGarrette Blunt, he does a little something to tantalize <laughs> us and think there might be a chance for him. Uh, all right, let's go to our next game. Oakland taking on Green Bay. Christian. Yeah, again, uh, Aaron Rodgers didn't play. A bunch of the starters on the Green Bay side didn't play. Eddie Lacy did, though. Uh, he had nine carries for 45 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he also had nine pieces of pizza and 45 chicken McNuggets after the game. So that's really? not, not wow. a very good sign. <laughs> Come on. Uh, Devontae Adams uh, actually played, uh, led the Packers in receiving with two catches for 37 yards. So uh, I, I think people have pretty much given up on him uh, at yeah. this point. But uh, he could be the number three wide receiver there. So uh, keep an eye on how he does the rest of the preseason. On the Oakland side, uh, David Carr was awful, just 38 yards on 9 Derek. of 13. What's that? You Derek, s- what did I say? We, 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 we all do it. We all say all David. We, we, that guy. Well, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't help that now he's on NFL Network all the time. Can, can and, we just go so D-Car? 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 Then it won't go. matter which yeah, one we're referring to. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't good. Uh, uh, the only other thing to, worth mentioning for Oakland was, uh, was the running back battle here. Latavius Murray, he wasn't great. Just six carries for 19 yards. But rookie DeAndre Washington, who a lot of people are keeping an eye on, he had just five carries for eight yards and added a catch for negative one yard. <laughs> but he caught the ball. Hey, so, yeah, so in, not much to learn PPR, from, from that PPR, that's, that's yeah. plus 0.9. That's right there. There. Yeah, there you go. At least on the positive, the positive side. Positive side. Uh, Minnesota-Seattle, Matt. Most of, our, most of our immediate listening audience is familiar with this game. Yeah, was everybody really excited to see Teddy Bridgewater play? <laughs> Woo! Oh, <laughs> that didn't work out. Uh, surprise benching for Teddy Bridgewater was the big story on the Vikings side. Um, Adam Thielen and Kyle Rudolph were kind of the other stories. Uh, looking pretty okay, I would guess we would call it. I think Thielen looked great. Uh, with uh, Sean Hill as the Shockingly competent. Shockingly competent. Um, the, the big thing, I think, was on the other side of the ball where the Seattle offensive line let the Vikings' first-team defense sack the very mobile Russell Wilson four times yep. in the game. I'm very worried about Seattle's offensive line this season. This was a story that we, at this time last year, we were saying this is a really bad offensive line. We're really, really worried about, uh, the, about Seattle's offense, particularly through the first couple of months while it takes time for all these new parts to gel. Same thing this year. I'm, I'm very nervous about a slow start to the season for Russell Wilson. And, and keep in mind, we, well, we, we, we're focused so much on Russell Wilson's second half of the year when he went bonkers. Yep. He was straight up bad for fantasy use for the whole first half of the season. That's so true. I, I think we could be looking at a similar situation. There was one more guy to mention on the uh, Seattle side. It was this Kristen Michael kid that we've heard of uh, time yeah. and time again. Kristen Look, Michael Sr.? Kristen Michael Sr., okay. that mm. is. Um, he looked pretty good, 10, 10 carries for 55 yards, while Tommy Tommy Rawls, y'all, was sitting on the bench. So uh, uh, he's still injured. So uh, keep an eye on Kristen Michael, and I think we'll talk more about him later. I think we will. Uh, Brian, Jets and the Washington Redskins. 
not a whole lot to talk about in this game. Well, Kirk, big storyline on the Redskins side. There is one big storyline. Uh, we'll start with there with Matt Jones. Uh, looked mm-hmm. decent. He botched a handoff, but uh, still ran for uh, seven times for 31 yards, but did leave the game with an AC sprain in his shoulder. Uh, TBD as to how long he will be out. Uh, backup rookie running back Keith Marshall did not step up in his absence, carrying the ball 10 times for 26 yards. Uh, Kirk Cousins didn't play, even on his birthday. That was kind of a bummer for him. And uh, the only Jet worth talking about was Bilal Powell. Your boy, Charge, carried the ball three times for 23 yards. Uh, didn't want to get him uh, exposed to a lot of hits. That's a good sign. He's in line for a significant role this year. All right. Miami took on uh, Dallas. That is uh, that is one of my games. And Dax Prescott looks amazing. In, in two games, Dax Prescott has six touchdowns and five incompletions. He's, he absolutely looks like a, a dynasty. If you can just if you can if you can just sort of sh- you know throw him at the end of your roster for a couple of years, maybe for Romo, <laughs> or maybe only a couple of weeks till Romo goes down. Dax Prescott looks unbelievable. He threw two touchdowns. He ran into touchdowns. He completed a fifty-yard bomb that didn't go for a touchdown. Uh, Dax Prescott is uh, is the real deal. Uh, Des Bryant had a pretty touchdown at the pylon uh, where he showed really good body control. Nothing unusual for for Des Bryant though. Uh, we're used to seeing that. Alfred Morris is clearly your handcuff. He scored a touchdown here, and he might be the league's most important handcuff of all of everybody. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later in the show as well. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's still resting his hamstring. He is expected, though, to play next Thursday against Seattle. On the Miami side, Arian Foster got his first two Miami carries, and he went for negative five yards. Uh, then Jay Ajayi uh, came in and looked absolutely mundane and continues to look terrible. Uh, Ryan Tannehill threw two short touchdowns to Kenny Stills, and then Kenny Stills also had a 50-yard bomb completion. So Tannehill might be a little better than people think in this Adam Gates, uh, Gates offense, and I'm actually, I'm actually kind of intrigued by what Tannehill, uh, what Tannehill might do this season. It's not, it has not been an explosive offense in Miami to this point. Uh, that may change now that Adam Gates is there. Final game that we're going to recap is Arizona and San Diego. Christian. Yeah, this one was a little bit of a snooze fest. Neither team did much of anything. I think uh, San Diego's kicker kicked four field goals, and then there was a defensive touchdown as well. So not not a lot to glean uh, from a fantasy perspective. For Arizona, Carson Palmer played three series. Uh, the offense didn't do much. Really, the only notable thing here is that David Johnson was the running back on all three of those first, uh, first three series with the starters, and then Chris uh, tap-dancing Nancy Johnson came in after the starters sat down. So uh, as, as we all expected, clearly David Johnson is ahead of Chris Johnson on that depth chart. San Diego side, Phillip Rivers didn't play, so again, not much here. Melvin Gordon got six carries but gained just 18 yards. He did have a nice, uh, a nice receiving touchdown last week uh, but didn't quite look as, uh, as good yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Danny Wood had three carries for five yards. That's all I've got. Not, to see, not a lot to see there. No. Uh, We'll take a break. When we come back, who are the bell cow running backs? Which backfields are the most split up? We'll do a a backfield analysis for you when we come back. And, of course, as a reminder, we're going going until noon for the regular show. And then after that, it's about two hours of deep-dive fantasy football analysis, including our legendary mock draft. And I think we're going to be able to pull one person out of the audience for it. Ooh. So we'll have to figure out a mechanism for that. And I'm not sure what that is yet and who the who that lucky person will be. But drunkest. The drunkest. <laughs> the drunkest person. By the, speaking of drunkest, what a mean! What a mean-looking Bloody Mary they make. That's an awesome-looking Bloody Mary. Yeah, there's a I salad want, on top of that. There thing. is a salad on top. There's a buffet on top of the Bloody Mary. It looks awesome. I want in on the Bloody Mary. You know, drunk, drunkest I think works because isn't aren't, isn't this person replacing Brian Oak? 
That this person is replacing Brian Oak, okay. so that does actually make some sense. That's a great point. We, and we're trying to simulate a real draft environment. Yeah. So drunkest makes sense there too. We need somebody to do the duplicate. That's right. We need somebody to do the duplicate. That uh, that could be you. So point being, even if you're listening at home right now, there's still three and a, three over three and a half hours of content left. And we encourage you to come come on down. We are at Canterbury Park. Many thanks to them and our other sponsors, the Minnesota Lottery with the new Viking scratch-off game and O'Reilly Auto Parts. We will be back with more Fantasy Football Weekly after this. Victory on... Are we having fun? We love fantasy football. It's great to see so many people here, people that have brought their families. They brought wives, girlfriends, kids. We're delighted that you're here. Even your league mates, that's bold because we give out lots of good information, and we love that you're having fun with leagues. We've been signing some of the trophies that people have got, trying to uh, – Give you give you a little good mojo. Get you to the get you to the uh, get you to the trophy. I like leagues that are so well put together. They already have their trophy figured out now for the end of the year. That's some good planning right there. Uh, plenty to get to over the course of the show, of course, and uh, including five tough questions, which is looming. Also, we're going to take audience questions, not this segment, but next segment. And if you feel really strongly about being a part of that, you can queue up right down here. And the first, I think, five people that come through. With a salient fantasy football question, we'll get one of the rare PA bobbleheads that they're giving away tomorrow. So you will get one early. This is the talking he's loose bobblehead, I believe. So we'll uh, you'll get that. I wow. It, well, it can't have a conversation with you unless you like e- end every sentence with a question that in which he's loose would be a possible <laughs> response to. So there's that. I don't. I don't even know any questions like, that would is necessitate that answer. Is, well, is he I loose? Do, you know, yeah. So, bobblehead. Uh, a friend of mine's got diarrhea. What do you think? And he's loose. There we go. So that could be a potential a potential response right there. Uh, all right, let's break down some of the bell cow running backs. Uh, that Christian, you have done a deep dive. What have you got? Yeah, the dive wasn't that deep, but uh, <laughs> you've done a grocery no, so examination. I have you done a keep shallow, the deep dive uh, yeah. until later, right? Yeah, right. This <laughs> right. is more of a cannonball. Um, <laughs> so the way I, I, I approached this was to divide it up between running backs who are who are bell cows or who we at least whose role we think we know heading into the season, and then uh, at the end we'll talk a little bit about uh, the backfields where there's a little bit more of a question mark. So. Uh, the Bell Cows, the No Doubters, Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Ezekiel Elliott, Lamar Miller, David Johnson, Jamal Charles. There's more of these well, than I thought, by the way. Jamal Charles, I do not believe, should be in the category you don't think of he's a automatic bell cow? bell cow. No, I don't. Spencer Ware looked really, really good yeah. and ran for the, the same per carry average that Jamal Charles typically Agreed. does. He's proven himself to be a great goal line back. We're going to talk more about that later. I think Spencer Ware, and to a lesser extent, Charkandrick West, two players who, by the way, powered the Chiefs into that end-of-year run. Remember they won, like, their last 11 mm-hmm. games of the year or whatever? 
that you know that was based on those two guys running. I think there's a real chance, and it's why you guys, you all have my cheat sheet. You'll see Jamal Charles isn't as high in my cheat sheet as he is on some others, and the reason is I worry about him. I worry about the goal line carries going to, to Spencer Ware. I worry about the team saying. We want to get into the playoffs and stop losing in the first round. We want our best player to be our bell cow in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. We need Jamal Charles to be healthy for the playoff run, and that means we got to knock him down to 60% of the carries, and we got to rotation him in, and we got to, we got to keep him healthy. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not convinced Jamal Charles is a bell cow. I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, the next one, I think you're not going to be convinced on this either, but Le'Veon Bell and or D'Angelo Williams, I think whichever one is healthy is going to be the bell cow. I know, I know you have... Uh, fears that uh, that D'Angelo is going to cut into Le'Veon's work even after he returns from the suspension. I do. Uh, so, you know, first, the Steelers always use a bell cow. So what I, I am suggesting would be a change. And so, I, you know, this is it's a it's a bold take. Uh, but my worry on Bell is one, I need him to stay healthy. Two, I need him to not do anything dumb, and that's not a given. Not and then all. three. Uh, I got. I'm worried about this. The potential of a rotation with D'Angelo Williams. Now, D'Angelo Williams was every bit statistically as good as Le'Veon Bell was last year, and held up through a long time. You know, the whole season, uh, he was great at the stripe. D'Angelo Williams was was the was the NFL's best runner inside the five last year. There's a lot of reasons to keep D'Angelo Williams involved in the game plan, rather than just saying, "All right, D'Angelo Williams, you're on the bench until Le'Veon Bell inevitably gets hurt." I think it would make a lot of sense for them, too, to try to position Bell to be healthy for a playoff run and to work in D'Angelo Williams. They just haven't done that in the past. A, yeah, it definitely makes sense, but we just, uh, yeah, again, they, ha- they haven't done it historically. Uh, a few more Bell cows, Mark Ingram, uh, LaShawn McCoy in Buffalo. Uh, C.J. Anderson in, uh, in Denver, I think his role is pretty clear at this point. Carlos Hyde in San Francisco until he gets hurt. Uh, Jonathan Stewart in Carolina. And Frank Gore still going, uh, yeah. still kicking, still alive and well. Uh, in Indy, they don't really have anybody else. Well, anybody who had him on, on their fantasy roster last year was not alive and well, and certainly not in the playoffs. Yeah. Yes. So my next category is maybe bell cows, but there's some question marks, and, and we've already found two others that I had in the other category that might fit here better. But uh, the first is Devonta Freeman. Uh, Atlanta right. says they want to get Tevin Coleman more involved. Uh, Tevin Coleman actually won that job last year in training camp and was the starter in week one before, How about that? before getting hurt. So, uh, you know, Freeman, he was ridiculously good last year. He's- it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Looked good in the preseason, and they're mm-hmm. definitely going to use them at the goal line and as a, as a receiving back, but... Uh, there's danger here that Tevin Coleman's going to get 10 to 12 touches, I think. Are you guys ner- I'm not wor- nervous about Tevin Coleman. Are you guys worried? I'm not worried about him at all, no. 
I was a little, but then watching Freeman last night, he looked like twice as fast as everyone on the field. He looked great, so I think his job's pretty safe. Yeah, I'm fully behind Freeman getting the overwhelming majority of the work, and he got a lot of carries at the stripe last year and mm-hmm. a lot of usage that way, and they even threw to him at the stripe a right. few times last year. He was second in targets on the whole team last year, Devontae yep. Freeman, behind Julio Jones. Uh, all right, next up, a bell cow, but with question marks, Eddie Lacy in Green Bay. Um, the, the Packers gave James Starks uh, a two-year contract worth $3 million per year. He's a very good receiving back, and yeah. I think that's the role that they're going to use him in. So I think Eddie Lacy is your, your early down uh, goal line guy, but I think James Starks is going to be involved there. If they had a better player behind him, I, James Starks is just a guy. He is. You know, if they had yeah, a better player no behind him, I'd be more worried. Yep. You know, Packer, we had a bunch of people wearing their, their green and gold here. I, do you guys trust Eddie Lacy? Yeah, no, I mean, even the, lot of even the really. Packer guys are like, yeah, yeah, we don't know. Even after we saw him getting yeah. five pretzels from the food truck back there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we do have a food truck that's pulled up to here, which is pretty awesome in the back of the room. Yeah. Hello, food truck in the back. Woo! Do you deliver? <laughs> yeah, 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 do you deliver? Can you make your way up here? That would be great. Thank you. Uh, next up in this category, I've got Doug Martin, who certainly operated as a bell cow last year. But Charles Sims is a good young player. He had seven carries last year and almost 10 touches per game. Uh, I'll touch a little bit on, uh, on Charles Sims later on uh, in the training camp portion here, but uh, I don't think Doug Martin is, is quite the bell cow that some people might uh, at this point. Jeremy Lankford in Chicago, there's probably some question marks here, except that I just don't think there's really anybody behind him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk, talk more about Lankford in, in, in a, a couple of segments. Yes, right. Uh, and then Matt Jones in Washington, basically by default, just because there really isn't anybody else behind him. Uh, we talked about the injury already. It sounds yeah. like it's possible he's going to be ready week one. Uh, kind of a kind of a sigh of relief there for the Redskins. It sounds like it's not as serious as it looked initially. So, uh, assuming yeah, he, that he it, is it healthy, bad initially, yes. he's going to get the first uh, the first crack at this job. So I uh, put him in this category as well. Now, uh, you know, one other thing I'll mention about Matt yeah. Jones. You know, and I was uh, just yesterday I'm doing the Redskins pregame show on the flagship, and they you know they should all share my my feeling on Matt Jones is. He looks like an absolute beast, right? He, he looks like he should be this power runner who just mows guys down. And they just, he, he runs like a chipmunk. You know, he just he's he, stutter step and, you know, trying to do some nifty moves and stuff, and then he's tackled. Is he a bigger tap-dancing Nancy? He's got, well, you know. It's he, coming. It, it may be coming his Ooh. way. Uh, so he need, Matt Jones needs to run like he looks. That's what I want to see from him, and we haven't seen it yet. All right, next category here. I have uh, split backfields. But they are established roles uh, that we know about. Uh, so let's start with the Bengals, where Gio Bernard is going to be the pass-catching change of pace back. Jeremy Hill is going to be the guy on first and second down and at the goal line. I don't think there's uh, really any question about their role in Cincinnati. Jacksonville, I think we've got a similar situation with Chris Ivory, uh, the goal line guy and the early down guy, and TJ Yeldon again with the change of pace. Mm-hmm. So we know what roles those two guys are going to play. Uh, Philadelphia, similar. Ryan Matthews until he breaks down, which could be week one. It could be week seven. It could be week 11. It will happen. We don't know how long it'll take, but he'll be the early down guy. Darren Sproles will be catching the passes there. Uh, In New York, the Giants have Rashad Jennings uh, running the early downs and probably goal line, but they also have Shane Vereen as an established third down guy and a pass catcher. New England, I think we've got LeGarrette Blunt. Uh, running the first and second down and goal line. And, again, either Deion Lewis, if he's healthy, yeah, uh, or and, James White. You know, Deion Lewis doing... still not practicing, which is really frustrating. He was yep. such a good back. In PPR leagues, when he was healthy for the first, whatever, six games of last year, top five PPR running back. Yep. 
And now here we are, almost a full year after that injury, and he's still not participating in practice. We, we could talk more about Deion Lewis a little later. Right, let's do that. Yeah, I think we could. Uh, Cleveland, uh, similar situation here. We know what roles these guys are going to play. It's going to be Isaiah Kroll. Uh, running the ball on first and second downs, mm-hmm. and it's going to be Duke Johnson playing the change of pace, pass-catching role. All right, so of the two, Crowell and Duke Johnson, let's go down the line. Who would you rather have in a PPR league where receptions count for a full point? Who would you rather draft? Brian? Uh, it's got to be Duke Johnson Jr. Let's not forget Junior. Junior. Right, Jeff, not There's forget so the many Duke. suffixes these days, we're confusing people, but I'm going Duke, yeah. Yes. I'll take Duke, but I'll make it his father and take senior. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go Duke Johnson as well. Yeah, I would take Duke Johnson I think Johnson it's a pretty easy well. choice. I'm you know, just not impressed by Kroll. Kroll hasn't shown enough yet, but Hugh Jackson has got such a good track record of developing running backs. I think, and, and Kroll's young enough, I think there's still a scenario here sure. where he gets a lot better and hasn't had great coaching uh, throughout his two years to this point. I think he's got the and right guy in place. Jeremy Hill? And he becomes Jeremy right. Hill. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that is where you could get with Crowell. But the Browns' offense isn't going to have as many chances at the stripe as the Bengals' offense did. That's, uh, I think that's safe to say. Okay. So I don't know that he can get to quite that level yet. All right, and then the last one in this category, which is backfields that are split, but at least we know what the, what the roles are. Yes. Uh, the Jets have Matt Forte. Uh, I think he's your between-the-20s guy, but they also have Bilal Powell, your guy, Church, who's going to catch a lot of the passes and possibly yep. be worked in at the goal line. I think he will be worked in. I don't even think it's possible. I think he's your goal line back <laughs> for the Jets. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, and now our final category, which is the most split and the murkiest situations in the backfield. Backfields where we're not quite exactly sure what's going to happen. Let's start with Baltimore, which is just a mess right now. Justin Forsett, Terrence West, uh, Kenneth Dixon, Buck Allen, four guys potentially involved here. We think it's going to be Forsett as the number one guy to start the season, mm-hmm. but Terrence West has scored a couple of preseason touchdowns. He's in the mix. The rookie, Kenneth Dixon, that everybody loved right after the draft, but he's yeah. kind of fallen down the down the depth chart a little well, bit. Well, he, so. he looked great in, in the last week's preseason game. I want to see what he does. I believe they play tonight. I want to see what he does tonight. Yeah, and, and Buck Allen is still in the mix. He's the one who started their preseason game, the first one, because yeah. Forsett wasn't playing. So four guys no, in the well, mix. Wait, here's what we know. Buck Allen's awful. There's, he's he's the least interesting of these four for sure. Yeah. Yes. No one hates Buck Allen more than you, George. I think you're right about <laughs> that. true. Yes. It's a he, fact. He came to my house and he shaved my hamster. So I've never, I've never forgiven him for that. Yeah, and that's not break. a euphemism for anything. It has to be a <laughs> literally, euphemism. Literally came in and shaved our hamster. Uh, next, Tennessee. We have Demarco Ooh. Murray uh, and the rookie that everybody loves after his his breakout preseason performance, Derrick Henry. Uh, I have reason to believe we're going to talk a little bit more about this one later on. So yes, we uh, are. Let's let's save that for a future segment. Uh, Seattle, we have Thomas Rawls, we have Kristen Michael Sr., and we have C.J. Procise. So the real question here is we haven't seen Rawls yet. Uh, he's been back on the practice field, but we haven't seen him in game action since he hurt his ankle late last year. Kristen Michael has looked great. So uh, definitely uh, an unknown situation uh, heading into the last couple weeks of preseason here. Uh, Detroit. Uh, this one's a tough one. Amir Abdullah, I know a lot of people like him this year as – as sort of a bounce-back candidate. Yeah. Although a lot of people got burned by him last year after that great preseason. But I don't know. He's not going to get the receptions. We know Theo Riddick is going to get the catches. He had over 80 receptions last year. Right. So Abdul is not going to get those. And I don't know that he gets the goal line work. I think Zach Zenner might be involved at the goal line. They're already talking about that in the preseason. Uh, they've been talking about getting Zenner in as their goal line guy. Yeah. So, come on. We're not going Zach Zenner again. How many no, people in again. this room drafted Zach Zenner? 
based on this show last year. I did. And that worked out, right? We're well, not going Zack Zenner again. I, I, I'm, I'm, no. The point is still valid that Abdullah and touchdowns and Abdullah and receptions are going to be tricky. Yeah. And what does that leave him? It just leaves him yards. That's right. And, you know, that's that might not be enough to make Abdullah requisite of an RB1 or an RB2 on your squad. Correct. Uh, next one, just two left here. Miami, uh, Arian Foster and Jay Ajayi. Yes. We're pretty certain it's going to be Foster here, right? I mean, he hadn't played until last no, night. We're not, no, 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 no. Pretty certain it is a 100% chance that that Foster is the starter until he gets hurt. CP, according to Charge, this is not murky. This is not this murky. This is not murky. Whatever. No, this is clear. This is clear. This is uh, so yeah, you would translucent. Put, you would put Arian Foster in the work in the bell cow category? Oh, absolutely. Until he gets hurt. Until he gets hurt. Okay. Bell cow until he gets hurt, Arian <laughs> Foster. And then the final one uh, in San Diego, we have, uh, well, I guess the one, this one's probably pretty well established, but we have Danny Woodhead playing the third down role, the pass catching guy. Yeah. And then we have Melvin Gordon coming off the gigantically disappointing rookie season last year where he didn't score a single touchdown. Uh, but he did have 30 catches. He was involved. He started running better towards the end of the year. So yeah. I think the only question here is how does, you know, how does the workload kind of get divvied up here? between these two is Dan, are they really going to use Danny Woodhead as their goal line runner in addition to their third down back yeah we're going to talk about it more later but yeah. Danny Woodhead had more goal line carries yes. last year than Melvin Gordon did so some question marks there I, I kind of actually like Melvin Gordon because everybody is so down on him after after what happened last year so I kind of like him but you, you have to worry about uh, how much uh, Danny Woodhead's going to take away from him great job on that uh, we ran a little bit long but they, we still have plenty of time for questions from our audience and by the way we're not taking phone calls today because we're the people who came out here deserves to have priority you guys came out you're supporting us we're having fun here together we are we are working with you first if you if you've got questions for us our next segment is devoted entirely to you you just need to come over here to this side of the stage get in line and we will uh we will service your needs uh we are live at canterbury park the expo center it's fantasy football weekly live on the fan You're listening to Fantasy Football Weekly on the... Welcome back to Fantasy Football Weekly live at the Canterbury Park Expo Center. The better part of 1,000 fantasy fans here having a great time talking fantasy, eating at the food truck in the back, breakfast burritos in the corner, all the giveaways. My cheat sheet is up front. If you have not gotten a cheat... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. We have more copies up front. You will want that cheat sheet because it has all of the answers on it. It's like the answer key to your league. 
Uh, this is a segment devoted entirely to audience question and answer. It's our way of saying thank you for coming. Uh, what is your name? Where are you from? I'm Jackson. I'm from Minneapolis. Hi, Jackson. Why are you wearing an Eagles shirt? Uh, I'm a big fan of Michael Vick, so I bought ah, the jersey. All right, so you're the guy. Well, fortunately, fortunately, this is a horse track, not a dog track. <laughs> Grumble. Oh, no. What have you got for us? Uh, with so many people drafting uh, running back heavy offenses, what do you recommend for a wide receiver uh, drafting strategy? You're not. Really? You're just, you're, you're just walking into this, huh? You're not setting me up for something right now? I think he's trying to win a bobblehead. <laughs> you better take this one, Sharks, not you. Anybody heard of a wide receiver draft strategy we could talk about for him? Like one where you have zero running backs or something like that? Or uh, I, I, think, I think he's trolling me, really. But obviously for 13 years now we've been talking about do the opposite, where you don't take running backs for the first four rounds of your draft. And that's, uh, that's what we live by. And I think most, you know, most of my co-hosts are on board with the concept of this. And that's, uh, that's what we do here. We don't take running backs for four rounds because they're the riskiest position, and those are the first four rounds are the most valuable rounds of your whole draft. So don't put the risk where, don't put the risk where the where the most valuable spots are. And when you do jump back in in round five or six on running backs, uh, later on in the training camp, I will explain exactly which running backs you should take. Yes. So you you can find good running backs later. Uh, you know, Google do the opposite. There's a lot of stuff out there. The whole we broke it down in great detail in our first show of the year. All right, let's go to our next uh, our next guy. By the way, you can get a PA bobblehead up front if you want one. Vince from Rochester. Hi, Vince. Uh, Fourteen team league, seventy five twenty five PPR. Okay. I'm picking eighth, and first of all, I'm a firm subscriber of the do the opposite. Thank you, Vince. Uh, however, I'm wondering, picking eighth, do I do the opposite of the opposite? I'm looking at probably Keenan Allen or Brandon Marshall. I'm sure Gronk will be gone. Or David Johnson. I think that's a prime spot to do the opposite of the opposite right there because, <laughs> hey, if if all those top wide receivers are gone and Gronk is gone, you don't you don't need to be like pushed into taking another wide receiver. That's what do the opposite came from. Don't take the eighth best running back when you can when you can uh, win at a different position. So if David Johnson's there, I'm pretty happy getting David Johnson with the eighth pick. I'd roll with that. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, you know, here's the thing. If running backs get hurt all the time, and they're subject to all kinds of variants, and that doesn't change where you take that guy. But so now, you there take is a point, Keenan Allen? There's a point that there's a point most of the year hurt last uh, year? I like Keenan Allen in a PPR league, but I think you're more likely to be looking at uh, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Des Bryant at pick eight because okay. other people are going to take running backs before pick eight. I mean, there's not like none are going to go, right, Vince? I mean, I don't, I mean yeah, by, by ADP, average draft position, Allen Robinson is the eighth, uh, the eighth player off the board. Des Bryant is still available. Rob Gronkowski is still available. So yeah. in your average draft, Rob Gronkowski, I think you're still going to get a good wide well receiver there, or tight end. But if yeah. we're all in this room doing the opposite, eventually you're going to have to undo the opposite. But we're not all in the same leagues. Maybe we are. With each other. <laughs> we should be. That will be a Guinness World Record. Thousand-man <laughs> league. Let's go, Thank guys. Thank you, Vince. If you want a PA bobblehead, go ahead and grab it up there. It's one day early. Uh, Al is next. Hi, Al. Hi, Al DeBeers from Minneapolis. Uh, it seems like defensive ranks change year to year, but every week it always seems like someone from the NFC East has a good matchup. Can you draft based upon divisions? If so, what are two to pick from? 
Uh, wow. Uh, I guess I'm not prepared for that. That one feels like something I'd have to do quite a bit of research. That's like I've a got, five I've got an questions here. question right yeah. there. i got an answer, CP. Right. Um, when you're talking passing and receiving, I think you want to avoid the NFC South for the non-Falcons because the Falcons have a great secondary. You don't want to play them twice. And I believe the NFC South is playing the AFC West this year, which, has a, true. Lot, which has a lot of scary secondaries, Denver, San Diego. So I'm worried about Mike Evans, Brandon Cooks, guys like that. Uh, if you're staring them in the face on draft day, you might want to go elsewhere. I think you generally want to avoid the NFC West, too, right, with Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. Well, Louis has a good defense. Arizona has a good defense. And yeah. then more broadly, are you talking about, Al, are you talking about starting like a fantasy defense? Or are you just talking about the receiver impact? I'm talking just starters in general. So, I mean, from starting a fantasy defense, how do you guys feel about streaming different defenses every week? So that you can match up against oh. bad quarterbacks. I, yeah, I, I always it. stream different defenses basically every week. That's yeah. been my strategy for yeah, a just, long just time. Just pick the defense that's D. playing against Cleveland that week. If I can't get Denver, Arizona, Seattle, Houston, maybe the Vikings, you know, at that point, I, you know, I think I'm playing a week-to-week matchups yep, yep, and just agreed. trying to find mostly bad quarterbacks, mistake-prone quarterbacks yep, is, exactly. uh, is my biggest tell. Thank you, Al. Hi. What's your name and where are you from? I'm Addison and I'm from Shakopee. Hi, Madison. Um, will Bruce Ellington get the typical 125 targets that Chip Kelly's slot receiver has gotten? Wow. That's, that is <laughs> yeah. very, very recent. That is my question. kind of question To right the there. Bruce Ellington desk and Brian Johnson. We will talk about Bruce Ellington a little <laughs> bit later uh, in camp, but um, yeah, there's a lot of vacated targets there and there's uh, proven success of when uh, targets are vacated. Uh, receivers step in regardless of skill level and uh, produce. And uh, this Ellington guy is intriguing. He's going to line up in the backfield, in the slot, on the outside. And if there is a player that's fit for Chip Kelly's offense, it's him. I think he's a good sleeper this year in the later rounds for sure. Yeah, the, the, good question. Yeah, the catch here is Chip Kelly's best receiver by a mile last year happened to run out of the slot. I don't know that that's the case now. And you know, I can tell you this much. Bruce Ellington's not as good as Jordan Matthews. No, there's no chance. No chance. I'm, but he, I'm but he ta- could I'll be the best wide receiver, receiver on different San Francisco wide receiver yes. a little bit later. Feel free to grab a bobblehead if you'd like. All right. Who's next? Hi, my name's Kyle. I'm from Brooklyn Park. Hi, Kyle. Uh, quick question. Uh, set up my league a little bit. It's a tight end PPR only, $100 cap. And I can keep two of four players. I can keep Brady for $4, or excuse me, $9, Bell for $4, Reed for 6 and uh, Gurley for 16. So you said I, I, only tight ends get points ends, for receptions? Yeah. Okay. Then I think Jordan Reed is, is kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, at, at, that point he's, at that point he's in. In that, in that format? Yeah. yeah, for sure. And then Gurley's hard to pass by. Well, the it. other two guys are suspended. Right? Well, for the first, four, for the the first, first three or four games, games. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. Bell or Brady, yeah, I'd pass I, on those guys. I think, yeah, we're Bell, Gurley, we're Bell Gurley for Reed just here. $4, though? Can you keep them for multiple years, potentially? Actually, no. We're in Empire League, and this is the fifth year. We planned it out to only be five years. Okay. So this is the last year. It's the oh, rare, it's well the rare Empire League with an expiration date. Yeah. You know, five years, if somebody doesn't want it, they're, they're basically refunding the pot, Yeah, then, I, then I would keep Gurley over Bell if you, if you, if just because Bell's going to you know he's going to miss at least three games this yeah. year. All right. Good luck. Okay. Who's next? Hey, I'm Brandon from Fargo. Hi, Brandon. All right. Question for you. With Blair Walsh's recent struggles in the uh, playoffs in the preseason here, would you recommend fading him and going with somebody like Roberto Aguayo? No, really? <laughs> uh, definitely not, no. And by the way, uh, he's looked awful too. 
I mean, you know, he's looked a lot worse than Blair Walsh. I, I'm actually really, I'm still very high on Blair Walsh, my number three uh, field goal kicker. He, you know, he kicked the most field goals in the league last year. Vikings offense shouldn't be any worse than it was last year. I think it'll be better. So I actually, I actually like Walsh quite a bit. Maybe the fact that he's, he, I wouldn't even say struggled that much. He's missed one field goal in the preseason. That's not that bad. You're just taking cheap shots. You're very mean. That's what I think. All right, who's next? I'm Jonathan from Madison. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, with tap dancing Nancy, how well he did last year, and then Bruce Arians concerned about actually having a bell cow running back, is there any chance that David Johnson drops out of the top five or ten this year? This is the Brian Johnson desk, yeah. I believe. Well, yeah, we uh, agreed to disagree about this last week. I, David Johnson's awesome, don't get me wrong, but we haven't seen a full season from him. He's had six games with double-digit carries. Uh, his one huge game came against a very soft opponent in the Eagles. And um, like you said, uh, Chris Johnson is there. He, he sucks, but he's there. And he's going to get 20 to 30% of the carries of healthy. So, And I still think Ellington factors in, in on third down. So I am worried about Johnson as a top five back. I don't want to pay that price for him personally, so I wouldn't. All right. We got time for a couple more. Uh, Grady from Breezy Point. Hi, Grady. Um, question on quarterbacks. I'm in a 10-team, 13-roster ros- 13 spot league, so really shallow. I like Thinking that. of ignoring my quarterback during okay. the draft and picking up the best available free agent streaming it each week. What do you think? You could pull that off in that league because there's with only 13 roster spots, there's going to be good quarterbacks available every week. So, yes, I think you could go last pick of your draft. You could, you know, pick a quarterback that you want to start in week one. But and then just then just play it by ear. I think one of the things that he distinguished there is he said he was not even going to draft one. Well, you you should be able you to have draft to fill a roster. roster spot. You have to fill the roster spot. But right? take him with your last pick. Yeah. That's fine. No, I'm, I'm fine with that strategy. You could pull that off in a, in, with shallow with shallow rosters like that. Yeah. Let's work in one more. Hi, I'm Cole from Brooklyn Park. Hi, Cole. How old are you? Uh, fifteen. I'm glad you're playing already. Somebody's raising you right. All right. Is there a team offense that I can pick up a defense in free agency every week and always get good points? Is there a team offense? I think he's asking can, the streaming sort of defense the de- question. The streaming defense question, yeah. Is there one team that you can stream every week? Is no, that no, no, stream against. Which, which so, offense oh, would you stream up, a defense oh, stream against? Defense versus, yeah. versus oh, Cleveland, well, for example. Yeah, uh, for example, the L.A. Rams with their Case Keenum and, and rookie quarterback combo. That would be that certainly would be a target. Yep. Uh, some offensive line problems with that, with that team as well, and that's always something that you want to look for. San Francisco with Blaine Gabbard and and, and with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Kaepernick? Denver? Denver, yeah. I mean, you're, yeah, Denver's Denver. offense is going to be three game every week or something That's like right. that. And for that matter, we all saw the, the you know as good as the Seahawks can be, that offensive line gonna, is going to create problems in sacks. So there's, uh, there's that as, as well. The most hurried quarterback in the NFL uh, well, actually, I think it was Teddy, and then second was uh, was Russell Wilson. So, yeah, I think all of those are going to make sense for you. Thank you. I like that you're thinking this way. You're already thinking strategy. You're being raised well, Cole. I like it. Uh, we need to take a break. 
When we come back, five tough questions. And everybody in the room, you get to play along. We'll see if anybody in this room can go 5-0. and oh. Every year we get a couple of people who claim to have been able to do it. We'll find out if you're going to be the one as you play along. We are live at the Canterbury Park Expo Center for more Fantasy Football Weekly. Search no... Park Expo Center. It's Fantasy Football Weekly on the Fan. I know that it's uh, it is sometimes we had a big big room and it's sometimes hard to hear everything we're saying. We encourage you to keep the side conversations down so that people can hear us as easily. We also want to make it listenable for people on the air, which is a little tricky as well. So we're trying to balance a large room, 1,000 people, and all our over-the-air listeners. So uh, the side conversations uh, are, a, are a detriment. We appreciate uh, that not happening as much as possible. Uh, again, thanks to our sponsors, Canterbury Park, Minnesota Lottery, with the new Viking scratch-off game and O'Reilly Auto Parts. It is time for five tough questions. Tough question number one. And play along, by the way, as you're here. We'll see if anybody can go five for five. Will Jeremy Langford get at least 70% of the carries for Chicago? We begin with Brian. I want him to, but I'm going to say no because uh, Willis McGahee was the last running back to crack 60% of the carries uh, with John Fox as head coach, and that was in 2011. Uh, going back, starting uh, last year, Matt Forte got 51% of the Bears' carries. Then when um, Fox was with Denver, C.J. Anderson led the team with 44% in 2014. No Sean Marina with 57% in 2013. And then Willis McGahee with only 37% in 2012. So I'm seeing a pattern here. I'm going to go with the numbers and say, no, Langford will not get 70% of the carries. Okay, Matt. I hit a lot on the same talking points that Brian had. Uh, last year, the Bears ran 468 times. That was sixth most in the league. That would mean Langford would need about 328 rushing attempts. Um, since John Fox started coaching in 2002, 41 players have had that many attempts in a season. That's not very many in uh, 16 years. So in, in nine seasons in Carolina, the guy who had the most was Stephen Davis in 2003. He had 318. That only worked out to be 60.9%. There's no chance that Langford can get to 70%. Okay. Uh, I disagree. I, I, I hear all the John Fox arguments as well. And uh, thankfully, I found an article on a, on a website called Rotoviz, which is actually a very good site, uh, that did all this research for me. I was about to dive in and, and look at all the John Fox stuff. But this article found that in 14 seasons, John Fox's running back, his main running back, has only stayed healthy the whole season three times. So most of the time, the reason that nobody has gotten 60% of the carries for John Fox is because one guy got injured halfway through the year and the other guy picked up the slack. So, of course, two different guys had 50% of the carries and nobody was a bell cow. So, I, I mean, I think, the situ I think the John Fox stuff is a little bit overblown. I think a lot of people are making too much out of Jeremy Langford's quote-unquote struggles last year. He averaged 3.6 yards per carry in, in, as a rookie. Well, Le'Veon Bell averaged 3.5 yards per carry when he mm. was a rookie. Uh, Langford was good enough to take over for Matt Forte and basically step in seamlessly last year when Forte went down. He can do all the same things. He's a, he's a good runner. He's a good pass catcher. He can do all the same things that Matt Forte did. Langford was good enough that they just let Matt Forte walk, one of the franchise's best running backs of all time, and they said, 
See you later. We got Jeremy Langford. There's it's nobody. It's not a stretch to let a 30-year-old running back walk. Though. There's nobody behind him. There's Kadeem Carey, who's a who's a, a veteran retread guy. Uh, there's Jordan Howard, a, a fifth-round rookie who has barely been able to get onto the practice field in preseason. So uh, I think people are making way too much of uh, of Jeremy Langford and of John Fox. So yes, I think he reaches 70 percent. Yes, Jeremy Langford will reach 70 percent. Uh, he got 100 percent of the first-team reps in preseason. So many people already got this right weeks one through 13 last year when matt forte was the number one he got 61 percent of the carries and that means he only needs to get nine you know the starter only needs to get nine percent more this year and that's going to happen because there isn't somebody as good as langford waiting behind the starter right now there isn't somebody else to give meaningful carries to jordan howard has not distinguished himself at all so yes jeremy langford will get at least 70 percent of the carries for chicago how many people are 1-0? Oh? All right. We only, well, about a third of the room. We've already knocked out like two-thirds of the room. Good heavens. This could be, this could be a tough next four questions. Tough question number two. Whose average draft position would you rather pay? Jordy Nelson's late second-round draft position or Randall Cobb's late third-round draft position? The Packer guys in the audience are loving this question already. Uh, this time we will start with Matt. You know, we, we all thought that last year that uh, Cobb would, would step up when, when Jordy went down, but it was exactly the opposite. Cobb was covered more, and, and he lost a, lost a lot of production when Jordy uh, was gone. So if Cobb's value is truly tied to him, he should have a pretty significant bounce back this year too. On the other hand, if Jordy's really healthy, he's 31, he's coming off an ACL surgery, He's a guy whose game is based solely on speed. So between the two, I think I'm going to take the cheaper one, and I'm just going to stick with Randall Cobb in round three. Okay. Yeah, I came around to the same answer. I don't particularly like either one of these guys at their current ADP, but uh, you look at Randall Cobb, and he just hasn't been the elite fantasy asset that I think people envision him as being. In the la- in, over his career, he's finished 26th, 8th, 64th, and 16th among wide receivers. So really only one top 10 wide receiver uh, season for uh, for Randall Cobb, eight or fewer touchdowns in all but one season, under 1,000 yards in all but one season. So I don't love Randall Cobb. I do like Jordy if I knew that he was healthy and if I knew that he had turned back the clock about three years. But now he's a 31 year old guy coming off an ACL surgery, and I'm with Matt. I think if Jordy's lost even half a step, uh, I think that's a big part of his game. So uh, what it comes down to is I don't like either one of these guys. But if I'm going to waste a pick at their ADP, <laughs> waste a pick I'd, I'd rather waste on it on the Packers. I'd, I'd waste the third rounder instead of the second rounder. All right, Brian. Yeah, not a lot to add here. Um, Cobb thrives when Jordy Nelson is on the field. That's why Cobb struggled so much last year. And even if Jordy has lost half a step, his presence should help Cobb. So I'm just going to take the cheaper guy as well. I don't trust a 31-year-old coming off major knee injury. Yeah, you guys decoded this right. Last time they played together 2014, Jordy was slightly better. He had fewer receptions but turned it into 300 more yards and three extra touchdowns in 2014. But that was two years ago and a knee injury ago. And now you got to figure that number 300 yards and three touchdowns is going to come together a little bit more. And so we're going to lean towards the cheaper guy, and we are going to take Randall Cobb. How many people got that one correct? Great. How many of you are two for two? All right. We still got a couple hundred people maybe that are sitting at two for two. Not too bad. Tough question number three. Which of these 2015 top ten quarterbacks is least likely to repeat his success? Kirk Cousins, Stu Beard, 
or Blake Bortles? Which one of those three top ten guys from last year is going to fall out of the top ten this year is most likely? Christian. Uh, so let's look at all three of them. I don't particularly like Stu Beard. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick had a career season. Well, there's no well, question he had, that he did. He, there, yes, he had a career season. You know, blew past his career high in touchdowns by seven. He had never thrown for more than 24, and then he threw 31 last year. His, his TD to interception ratio has been closer to one-to-one -one throughout his career as a backup uh, in the NFL, and, and suddenly, uh, you know, barely threw any interceptions. I think it was three-to-one last year. So uh, I'm not I'm not convinced that I think Stu Beard is going to take a step back this year, uh, but not as significantly as the third guy on the list. But uh, let's go to Kirk Cousins. Um, he completed almost 70% of his passes in 2016. I don't know if that's sustainable, but at least we've, he's shown that he can do it. He did it throughout the whole season. Uh, he scored five rushing scores. I don't think that's sustainable. He's not a rushing quarterback, so I think he falls back uh, in that category. But he does have a good supporting cast uh, around him, good receivers, uh, and an inefficient running game with Matt Jones. I think most people don't think... Jones is a great uh, running back, great so linebacker. I think Cousins is going to be forced to pass quite a bit, so I don't think he falls back too much. Bortles, however, this one sticks out like a sore thumb to me. He was only the 20th player in history to throw at least 35 touchdowns in a season. Uh, a, another, a different website called Number Fire uh, did an analysis on this. There have been uh, of, of all the other 35-plus TD seasons in history for quarterbacks, they did an analysis that said over the next season after they, they threw 35, they regressed by an average of 10 touchdowns. And these are, these are legendary players. The only ones that didn't regress were Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Brett Favre, you know, all-time great quarterbacks. So just statistically, there's almost no chance that Bortles throws near, near 35 touchdowns this year. He also completed less than 60% of his passes for the second year in a row. That's not a recipe for success. So I think Bortles is coming back to the pack. That was a five-minute answer to <laughs> this question, and we need to leave something on the bone here for uh, for Brian and Matt. Brian, you have anything to add? Uh, yeah, I agree. It is Bortles. Um, Jacksonville defense much improved. They allowed 28 points per game last year, and as a result, the Jaguars were throwing 73% of the time. That's not happening this year, so his numbers will come down. Okay. Well, I, I disagree. Okay. Um, when in doubt, I'm going to look at the weapons around the quarterback. You love Bortles. Blake Bortles has Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, Julius Thomas, Beach East, and TJ Yeldon. That's a pretty good group. Yeah, it is. Uh, the Beard has Brandon Marshall, Eric Decker, Matt Forte, Bilal Powell, who Charch loves. I love Bilal Powell. Cousins has the ever-concussed Jordan Reed, the fairly unexciting Deshaun Jackson, Pierre Garçon, who almost got cut, and Matt Riverdancing Jones. So Cousins is least likely to repeat these things. <laughs> the river dance. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer is Blake Bortles. <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, his 35 touchdowns were the most, but keep in mind the running back position chipped in three touchdowns last year. Not in a game. I mean the year. They got three touchdowns from their running backs on the ground. Uh, Chris Ivory had the most carries last year he's going to eat up a bunch of those if he takes just eight touchdowns away that puts Bortles on a very pedestrian 27 touchdowns on the season and that will drop him out of the top 10 how many people are three for three in five tough questions we still got a lot of people you're doing great let's see if you can get number four tough question number four aside from Julian Edelman are there any New England wide receivers who are draftable in a typically sized league, like 15 to 18 roster spots. Aside from Edelman, are any of the New England wide receivers draftable? I believe we are set to begin with Brian on this one. 
Yes, I think there are two receivers that are draftable in the later rounds. Uh, Chris Hogan, a.k.a. 7 for you uh, Hard Knocks enthusiasts, and uh, rookie Malcolm Mitchell. Um, they're both vying for the ex-receiver role, which has made guys like Brandon LaFell, Aaron Dobson, Kembrell Tompkins, and Brandon Lloyd fantasy relevant in recent years. Right now, Mitchell's hurt. He uh, hurt his elbow. looked like he snapped his arm in half. looked like he was done for the year, but uh, he's just out a few weeks. Hogan has the job right now. I like him a little more. But both these guys are worth the flyer on later rounds for sure. Matt? I'm not going to add much to it. 7-11, Chris Hogan is always open, and he's draftable very late. Okay. Did Brian say Aaron Dobson was once fantasy relevant? He, was. he, tried, he, he just, just tried to make that case, okay. yes. He had a stretch where he was relevant and owned for like half of a game. Aaron maybe. Dobson, uh, you mean? Season. Yeah. Uh, I say no. Uh, I think I think the Patriots are going to go two tight ends most of the time this year. Uh, they've they've talked about doing it 75 to 80 percent of the time with Martellus Bennett alongside Rob Gronkowski. They're going to throw a ton of passes to their running backs, which they did last year with Deion Lewis and or James White. Uh, so no, I'm not going to bother with anybody other than Edelman. All right, I'm going to give you the answer. Uh by virtue of this, since Wes Welker left and Julian Edelman took his his role in that offense, here's the next best receiver in the offense in those three years since then on a per average per game average basis. 2013, Aaron, the aforementioned Aaron Dobson. Here's the guy that you he described very as relevant. fantasy relevant. <laughs> His per game average was 31 yards and 0.25 touchdowns. For a stretch, he was relevant. That's uh-huh. all I said. Uh, 2014, Brandon LaFell was the second best wide receiver. His per game averages 47 yards and 0.4 touchdowns. He finished in the top 24 that year in PPR. Uh, uh-huh. And Danny Amendola <laughs> last year at 39 yards per game and 0.18 touchdowns per game. I am not going to roll the dice on what will ultimately become the fourth or fifth passing option for Tom Brady. The correct answer is no. There are no wide receivers draftable outside of Julian Edelman. How many people here have gone four for four? We're down to like a 20 at this point, and well done if you have. Let's get, uh, let's see who can go five for five. Tough question number five. We're back to the stinking Packers again. Who wrote these? Boo. Oh, I did. Richard Rodgers had eight touchdowns last year. Let's use that as an over-under. Eight over-under for Jared Cook, presumably a better pass catcher, now on the Packers as their number one tight end. Are you going over eight touchdowns or under eight touchdowns for Jared Cook? Matt. I'm going to go the under because Jared Cook is not that good, and that's not all. The Packers have a rich history in not throwing tons of touchdowns to the tight end position. Since the merger, only four Packer tight ends have had seasons of nine touchdowns or more. That was 2001 Bubba Franks, 1996 Keith Jackson, and something named Paul Kaufman, who, when I was three and four years old, caught 10 and 11 touchdowns for the Packers in the uh, early 80s. So it hasn't been done in 15 years. They're not going to do it this year with Jared Cook. Okay. CP. Yeah, not only that, Cook, like you referenced, Cook just isn't very good. He's never scored more than five touchdowns in a season himself either. And Rodgers is still there. He's still on roster, right? Yeah, I'm pretty he, sure Aaron Rodgers he, he plays the, for the Packers. No, yes. no, Rick, no Richard, Rick Rodgers. Richard, oh, Rick Rodgers. Oh, I see. He's still there. He was the king yes. of the, the, the games where he had one catch for four yards and one touchdown. He did right. that about eight times, and he's still there. It's literally the only thing he can do. <laughs> so I think he might, he, you know, he might score a couple, too. So th- no, there's no way Cook reaches right. eight. Brian? 
Yeah, not a lot to add. Packers tight ends have averaged seven touchdowns over the last five years. That's less than eight. Rich Rod's still in the mix, so no. Uh, and then I'll add only one more thing. Uh, in the Aaron Rodgers era, the average number of tight, of tight end touchdowns for their number one is three. Their top tight end is averaging three. You couldn't even troll the biggest Jared Cook fan in the room to I take couldn't. in Jared I thought, Cook. I thought for sure you guys were going to jump on that. <laughs> Richard Rodgers is no good. If he could get eight, anybody could get eight. What happened to that whole line of thinking? The correct answer is no. Who went five for five? Yes. All now, right. for the rest of you who did not go for it five for five, if you think those guys are lying, boo now. There we go. It's all on faith. If you went five for five, congratulations, because that is not easy. When we come back, it is a training camp tradition, the reach around. We'll give you the reach around next segment when we return to Canterbury Park Expo Center on the fan. to the Canterbury Park Expo Center for Fantasy Football Weekly. 1,000 people all chatting fantasy, loving fantasy. It is uh, it is the highlight, one of the highlights of my year for sure, hopefully for you guys too. So grateful you all came out. And as a reminder, when we get off the air at noon, two more hours of deep dive fantasy analysis coming your way. So tons of fun and lots more heading our direction. It is time. Four. One of the uh, one of the segments that we get the most reaction to any than any other all year all year round, and it is called the reach around. Uh, Brian, do you want to explain the reach around to people? Yeah, when you uh, <laughs> reach around on a guy, you basically draft him around sooner than most are based on their ADP. Hence yes. the reach around. So we will start in the second round and tell you who we think in this, that's going in the second round is worth reaching a round for in the first round. Make sense? So this is who we're drafting in round one. So, yeah, these are guys. So we'll start with guys that are in round two, but we would take in round one. And then we'll work our way through uh, the remainder of another 12 to 14 rounds. Sound good? Yep. All right, Brian, I'll let you go first. Do you want to guess who I'm going to go with, Charge? Uh, Lamar Miller. Just hanging on at... Uh, Pick 13 overall, that's the second round, is Lamar Miller. He's one guy I'm willing to reach for in the first round. If I'm going to do the opposite of the opposite, I'm with Matt. You hit that point late in the first round. And uh, he went. he's going from the team that had the fewest carries to the most. He's going to get fed a lot. And uh, I wrote a very long article about this. I have too much information in my head. I'm just going to stop. All right, Matt, who are you reaching around in uh, round two? Other people are going to talk about Lamar Miller, so I'll just leave it at Lamar Miller is okay, the correct we'll answer. Do okay, all right. Yeah, when I put together this ADP list, I was happy to see that Lamar Miller came in at 13th instead of 12th uh, so that we could reach around on Lamar Miller from the second round to the first. I'm going to take Keenan Allen, who was, who was on pace to get the most receptions in the league prior to uh, the injury that, you know, the kid, lacerated kidney that he suffered. And we, it's a PPR world out there. We want receptions. Keenan Allen's great for that. Also, he's got a just disgusting beard. I, you know, that's probably a, a one thing you need to factor in. Does what, it smell like stew? I understand it does not smell at all like stew. It smells more like uh, crab bisque. So, you know, we, uh, that might be a trickier so one. Keenan to Allen, bisque beard. Bisque beard. Okay. That's right. There we go. Let's right. go to round, uh, round number three. Brian? 
Uh, Eddie Lacy is currently going in the third round. I would reach for him in the second round. Uh, we all know about his quote-unquote struggles last year, but he still averaged 4.5 yards per carry in five of his last eight games. We're just one season removed from 1,500 combo yards and 13 total touchdowns. He looks like he's in great shape. James Starks is a scrub. I'm not worried about him, so I'm reaching around on Eddie Lacy. All right, Matt. With the second pick in round three of ADP, we have Mark Ingram, and that's the guy I'm going to uh, give the old reach around to. Uh, We all sat on this stage last year touting C.J. Spiller as the pass-catching back in New Orleans. New Orleans? Who knew that Ingram possessed that skill set, too, and would become a pretty decent runner? So I'm going to take Ingram. Okay. And Christian. Yeah, I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins, who's sitting here at the fourth pick of the third round. Uh, On a point-per-game basis last year, he was actually a top-ten fantasy wide receiver before he got injured. Right now he's being drafted as the number 17 wide receiver, and I think Tyrod Taylor is going to improve. I think Sammy Watkins is going to improve, so I think there's big upside here. In round three, I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton as my reach-around guy. Who does Andrew Luck say has been the best player in training camp? T.Y. Hilton. Who does his head coach say has been the best player in training camp? T.Y. Hilton. This, you know, we've been talking a lot about him sort of going from good to great. This could be the season where he goes good to great. T.Y. Hilton is my choice. Let's go to round number four. Brian, who are you taking? Who are you reaching around for in round four? Who would you, who would you take in the third round? I'm going to reach. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Around on the other Colts receiver, Dante Moncrief. Um, He was up and down last year, but the ups came with Andrew Luck. In seven games with the Luck, he averaged eight targets, four and a half catches, 73 yards, and .7 touchdowns, nearly a touchdown per game. In the nine games without Luck, his numbers fell way off, averaged one fewer catch, 20 fewer yards, and .1 touchdowns. Hopefully, if Luck stays healthy, Moncrief will take a big leap. All right. I'm practicing very safe reach-arounds, and uh, I'm going with Golden Tate, who is the first pick in the fourth round. Uh, Golden Tate three, as, as he is known uh, to others. Golden Tate the third. Yes. Uh, yes. The absence of Megatron only creates more opportunity for this pass-happy team. I like Golden Tate here. Uh, I'm going to go with C.J. Anderson here, the, uh, the third guy off the board in, in round four. Uh, each of the last two years, he's averaged 4.7 yards per, per carry for the Broncos. And each of those two years, they haven't realized what they had in him until they ultimately settled on him, uh, including the playoffs last year. He had touchdowns in four of his last five games. Uh, the passing game is going to be a mess this year with Mark Sanchez or Trevor Simeon running the offense. So I think they're going to lean on the run uh, even more this year than they have in the past. And I think they finally understand that C.J. Anderson is the guy to do it with. Yeah, I'm with Golden Tate on this one because of the, the vacuum left by Calvin Johnson, meaning even more balls coming his way. And he was already a great PPR player last year. Let's go to round five. Brian. I'm going to reach uh, reach around on Kobe Fleener. Uh, he is a guy I believe can be a top three tight end. Saints tight ends are always very fantasy relevant. Uh, over the last two years, they've averaged 110 catches, 1,100 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And they average more than seven targets per game. Fleener saw seven targets on 14 occasions over the last two years with the Colts. And uh, just based on those games, he uh, was on a full season pace of 80 catches, 1,000 yards, and 11 touchdowns. He could see numbers like that in New Orleans. All right, Matt. 
I've got Michael Floyd. I like everything about the Cardinals' offense this year. They got one of the best offensive lines in the league. I especially like that Michael Floyd uh, turned it on a little bit down the stretch. So he's a guy I would take in the fourth round from a fifth round ADP. Yeah, me too. He was the number 16 wide receiver from week six on last year. He scored, reached 100 yards or both in seven of his last nine games. I think we started to see the beginning of the end for Larry Fitzgerald as the season wore on last year. John Brown is is concussed and hasn't been playing in training camp yet. So uh, I think this offense is really going to flow through Michael Floyd this year. What's wrong with Minnesotan Eric Decker? What is wrong with the guy who put up meaningful fantasy numbers in 14 of 16 weeks last year? He had two clunker weeks all year. He is so consistent. He's got Stu Beard back. T- defenses can't double down on him because they got to deal with Brandon Marshall. I don't think that. I think Eric Decker in the fifth round is an absolutely prime candidate for the reach around. Nothing's wrong with him, Charge. We just liked some different guys better. I'll, I think you guys are better because he married better than you did. That's what I think. Wow. Let's go to round number six. <laughs> Shots fired at our wives. <laughs> that, yeah. That's right. And I like your wives. <laughs> uh, but I'm pretty sure they're not country music stars. All right. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, I'm pretty sure. All yeah. right. Let's get, didn't he marry a country music star? I think Decker did. I don't know. Yeah, he had a reality show. Is this TMZ or Fantasy Football uh, Weekly? We're not good at this. Let's be honest. <laughs> All right. Let's go to round six. Okay. Even though I said he wouldn't get 70% of the carries, I'm going to go with Jeremy Langford. Hopefully he will get those 70%. If he does, he will succeed uh, in his three games without Matt Well, Ford. you were wrong, so Makes there is that. Keep in mind, yeah. you were wrong about that. Right, right. So I was yes. wrong, so this is a great pick. He averaged 110 combo yards and over a touchdown per game without Forte. If he's a bell cow and stays healthy, he will reap massive gains on this pick. All right, your round six reach around. The last guy in round six is Alan Hearns. He had virtually the same numbers last year that Kelvin Benjamin had in his rookie season. Everybody's drafting Kelvin Benjamin in the third round. I'll I'll go with Alan Hearns and hope he has a repeat. Oh, the, right. the Jaguars Bobo goes with Alan. Exactly. Uh, I also went with Jeremy Langford. Uh, I defended him in the in the, in the tough questions segment, and uh, yeah, I, I believe he's going to be a bell cow this year. Uh, Danny Woodhead in PPR leagues, top ten running back, if virtually every time he's on the field, he does get dinged up a bit. But what's not to like in a PPR league about a running back who's, you know, gets all the receptions that he does and scores touchdowns? And frankly, he's just a better runner than Melvin Gordon most of the time. I am going to go with Danny Woodhead as my reach-around guy in, in round six. Let's go to round seven. Brian. I'm going to go with the other Lions wide receiver, Marvin Jones. He's uh, stepping in as a starter. There's 190-plus vacated targets there on a team that's throwing the ball 65% of the time. He will be a threat in the red zone at 6-3. I like him a lot this year at this price. Why wouldn't you take Tom Brady in the in the sixth round? Uh, he's going to be in true screw-you NFL mode as soon as he comes back from the suspension. He finished as a top-two quarterback last year. Why can't he do that down the stretch for the Patriots? Uh, I've got Marvin Jones as well. By all accounts, he's been the star of training camp for Detroit. Uh, you can get him 40 picks later than Golden Tate. Uh, and like Brian said, I, th- I think Jones is the red zone target. Uh, I think he has the higher upside. And, and again, you can, get him, you can get him four rounds later than Golden Tate. Uh, I'm taking Tom Brady. And as we talked about last week, the guy you couple him with for those four missing games is Joe Flacco. We talked about it on last week's show. Joe Flacco could be the last pick of your draft, and you get the number two quarterback at an awesome price. Here in the seventh round, I would reach around into the sixth. Let's do a couple more rounds. Uh, round seven. A uh, little hometown love here for Stefan Diggs. Can I hear it? Yeah, uh, a little bit, yeah. Just a little. <laughs> Smattering. To get a number one receiver this late uh, is enticing. 
even though Minnesota will be very run heavy, but uh, if Diggs can get at least nine targets a game, we're looking at wide receiver one numbers. He saw uh, had five games with at least nine targets, averaged six catches, 100 yards, and totaled two touchdowns. So he can get it done if he's fed. So I worked on the schedule analysis piece all last night for this uh, deep dive later, and a guy I found who's got a fun schedule to start the season is Corey Coleman. Oh. So uh, especially with Josh Gordon out. So Corey Coleman's a guy I'm going to reach on uh, in the seventh round. All right. Yeah, Brian and I are on, on the same, same uh, wavelength here. I've got, uh, I've got Stefan Diggs here. I think he's an easy pick in, in, uh, in round eight. Well, actually, round seven because I'm reaching around. Yeah, that's right. We're we're in we're round eight, reaching around seven. <laughs> How about Derrick Henry, who looks fantastic? Derrick Henry in the in in it's limited preseason action, granted, but he looked just like the guy who was running his himself to a Heisman Trophy last year. And Derrick Henry has got that rare combination with the footwork. He's got the agility. He's got the straight ahead speed. I mean, there just aren't that many backs like that. And I'm getting him right now in. He's got a round 8 ADP. I'll take him in round 7 in a heartbeat, especially if I've been doing the opposite. I can't ask for a better solution than that. All right, let's go to round 9. Who are you going to take? Uh, who are you going to reach around on? Uh, another good do-the-opposite guy is Rashad Jennings going in the ninth round. Yeah. Uh, reached for him in the 8th, averaged 110 combo yards over his last five games last year. Came on really strong. The Giants should be putting up a lot of points this year. Uh, he appears to be uh, the bell cow as of right now. We'll see if that changes. But right now, he's a great value, even if you take him in the 8th round reaching on him uh charge convinced me on this one and i'm sure this is going to be his answer too michael thomas is the guy that uh he's been salivating over uh willie sneed looked pretty good as the number two wide receiver in new orleans last year and michael thomas is just a better player so uh sky's the limit right there uh, i'm gonna go with another do the opposite type running back here i really like charles sims this year he was getting 10 to 12 touches last year um, despite Doug Martin having the great season that he did. Uh, Sims is the better receiver. He already has that role uh, and if anything were to happen to Martin, if Martin were to go down for any stretch of time uh, Sims is an easy RB1 so I like him here. I already told you Chris Ivory's going to score 8 touchdowns this year Why? That's and that's just at the stripe. I think, I think this is a, a great opportunity for the player formerly known as Beast East, now known as Beach East, Chris Ivory. Is Sounds the, like you need several picks in the eighth round. I do. There's a, Well, actually, I do. I like Derrick Henry. I like Chris Ivory. I love Michael Thomas. You guys have done a good job, but that was the correct answer. All right, we need to take a break. When we come back, we unveil our sleepers. Final segment of the show before we go into hardcore off-air fantasy time. Uh, we unveil our sleepers, and we argue over a couple of players, and you, the people here, get to choose which side of our argument won. So we give you a little extra power in this segment as well. It's Fantasy Football Weekly live from the Canterbury Park Expo Center. Welcome back. Final segment of the on-air portion of Fantasy Football Weekly today, live from Canterbury Park. We will have two more hours of fantasy football goodness for you after that. All off-air. So that's just for the people who are here. So that's the best part. Uh, You could still come down. And you can still see a lot of that. Uh, it is time for our final segment. In the final segment, we always do our sleepers, and then we do a thing we call agree to disagree, where we pick a couple of battles, and we, we make our case, and we'll let the fans decide who wins. Uh, let's begin with our sleepers. Brian, who do you have? I mentioned him earlier in the show. It's a deep sleeper. Don't, don't uh, reach around on this guy, but uh, maybe you will, though, after next week. Uh, Terrell Pryor Sr., who is right now listed as an outside starting wide receiver for the Browns. His competition is uh, Josh Gordon, who is suspended, a raw rookie in Corey Coleman. Then you have Marlon Moore and Taylor Gabriel. Uh, Pryor looks good out there. He's 6'4", 230. 
He, he looks like T.O., Calvin Johnson, Randy Moss on steroids. Oh, stop it with it comparison to physically. Prior to physically. Randy Moss. Physically. Oh, physically. please. Okay. They were both 6'4", and uh, I said Moss on steroids, by the way, so it wasn't an exact comparison. Are you, saying, are, you, are you saying that Randy Moss took steroids? Are you coming out with this? Oh no, he needed no. to, is what he's saying. Terrell Pryor okay. so, so, looks like Randy Moss. To be as good as Terrell Pryor, he had to have taken steroids. Obviously, got it. Okay, I'm, I'm spending my last pick on Pryor, and I urge you to as well. Matt, I've got Kristen Michael. One might say that leaving three teams in one season is kind of a bad thing. <laughs> yes, one might say that. But his fourth team last season was also his first team, Seattle. That's the team that knows him best, and they brought him back. Uh, he's receiving nothing but glowing reviews from the coaching staff while running with the first-teamers this preseason. And remember, this was the guy that everyone was handcuffing to Lynch in Dynasty Leagues. He was the one that people dropped all their fab on last year when the Cowboys traded for him. And sure, Thomas Rawls is there, but he only started six games last year. There's no deep-seated allegiance to him. And Rawls has been injured, and, and he's just starting practicing in team drills this week. Michaels looked great in the preseason. I don't mind spending a late-round pick on Kristen Michael. All right. And uh, sleeper. Yeah, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Tory Smith, uh, who everybody loves to hate, but this is mostly about Chip Kelly and his ability to produce wide receiver one level talent. In 2013 in Philadelphia, uh, after five inconsistent mediocre seasons that look really similar to Smith's first five seasons, right. Deshaun Jackson exploded for 80 catches, 1300 yards, nine touchdowns. He was the wide receiver 12. In 2014, after four inconsistent seasons that look strikingly similar to Smith's first four seasons, Jeremy Macklin exploded for 86 catches, 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns. He was the wide receiver nine that year. In 2015, they did it again with a different guy, Jordan Matthews this time. He was the wide receiver 16. So year after year after year, Chip Kelly is producing a wide receiver one. It's Torrey Smith this year, and at an ADP of just the 47th wide receiver off the board, you're risking almost nothing for a guy that has clear top 20 potential. Uh, my sleeper is going off the board at pick 150. That's Richard Matthews, the lowest drafted number one receiver on an NFL roster. He is the wide receiver one for the Tennessee Titans. That means he's somehow even below the Niners and Browns wide receiver ones, which you guys have managed to represent here. Uh, previously with Miami, Richard Matthews was lost in a depth chart that featured Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. Miami couldn't afford to sign him, and he landed a healthy three-year, $15 million deal from Tennessee he, where he walks in as the number one. Doriel Green-Beckham, as you know, is now gone. So that's one other guy that's not going to take any action from him. And then on the field with him is rookie project Tajay Sharp and Kendall Wright, who is no threat. I mean, there's... You know, we've seen plenty of Kendall Wright, and that guy's whole game is built around being injured. Yes, That's Delaney. That's a terrible <laughs> thing to build your it, game around. That really strategy. is. It's a bad career move. Uh, yes, Delaney Walker is the first option in the passing game, but really, Matthews is the second option on an NFL passing game. And, you know, they're going to run the ball a lot, and they're going to be run heavy. But if Mariota throws, let's say, a modest 25 touchdowns, which is, you know, pretty normal, I think 25. If 10 goes to Delaney Walker, which would be a really good season for him, that's still 15 touchdowns to find their way to other players, including the number one wide receiver on the team, Richard Matthews. There you go. Okay. Agree to disagree. This is, a, this is audience participation time. 
We have a battle between uh, two of our panelists over a guy, and you get to decide who wins the battle. Uh, let us start. Uh, I believe I've got my battle is with Brian. Brian. So let's let you. I'll let you two go first. Matt, you want to start? Uh, CP and I are doing our battle on Dion Lewis. Um, normally, it takes you about 12 months to recover from an ACL injury. Uh, Dion Lewis is only nine months removed from ACL surgery, so he's still got two or three months before he's going to be fully healthy again. He's not practiced yet this season. He played only seven games as a semi-featured back in the NFL, and he only scored four touchdowns last year. Oh, by the way, his starting quarterback is out for the first four weeks. He plays for a coaching staff that notoriously fiddles with the running back position, but you should probably draft him in the fifth round because that's where his ADP is. So there's a good chance he could start the season on the pup list, and I'm not sure why anybody would take Deion Lewis with a fifth-round pick this year. All right, so that's the anti-Deion Lewis angle. Let's hear you make a case, Christian, for Deion Lewis. Yeah, he's a steal in the fifth round. Ooh. Uh, last year in the games that he played, he was a top six uh, running back. He caught over five passes per game, finished fifth in fantasy points per game for the season last year in both half-point PPR and full-point PPR. He averages 4.6 yards per carry in his career, and he had over 12 touches per game last year when healthy. Not only that, so everybody's up in arms that, uh, that, the, that he hasn't been practicing in the preseason. However, That's because he might not play for another two months. He did practice during their off-season work, uh, workouts, and he looked just fine. I think the Patriots know how important he is to their offense, and they don't want to rush him back. They're not risking anything. Here's how important he was last year in games that Lewis played. The Patriots scored 35 points per game. They won all seven of the games by an average of 18 points per game. In the nine games that he didn't play, they scored just 24 points per game, and their win-loss record was 5-4. and four. They, didn't do wow. any, they didn't do anything in the, the offseason to shore up the running back position. If they thought Lewis, if they were worried about this, they would have brought in somebody else. They didn't. I think they know how important he is to the offense. They're just playing it safe. He'll be, he'll be back in in week one and, and performing at a top ten level. All right, you heard the case. How many people, uh, let's do it by applause. If you think Mattis was correct and you're anti Dion Lewis, let's hear some action. All right, you heard Christian's case for Dion Lewis. If you support that, let's hear you. Wow, Christian, you got clobbered. You got clobbered on this one. Matt, decided winner. Can I drop the mic, or is that bad for them? No. No, don't drop the mic. Although they'd be able to hear that, which would be great. That's not really how mic drops work either. That isn't. Uh, all right. The, uh, the second guy that we are going to debate is DeMarco Murray. I will let you, I will let you begin, Brian, with the pro DeMarco Murray angle. Well, well, we're debating draft DeMarco in the fifth or draft Derrick Henry in the eighth, Correct. We are dra- we are agreeing to di- we are disagreeing right. on Demarco okay, Murray. You're saying on, not on, to draft- a, on a roster. Okay. All right. Well, I'm drafting Demarco Murray in the fifth round. That's prime do the opposite territory. Uh, despite a nightmare situation in Philadelphia last year, he was still running back 15 in PPR. He had the fifth most rushing touchdowns among all running backs. Uh, people remember the big year in Dallas in 2013, but in 2012, the year before, he totaled 1,450 yards and 10 touchdowns in just 14 games, and that's on 217 carries. He's only 28 years old, despite the high mileage in 2014. Uh, he has only seen over 200 carries one other time. So uh, 
Tennessee paid him to be their bell cow. They are going to work in Henry, but I think Murray's sitting on a pretty good year. He's going to bounce back big time after the nightmare in Philly. I am going to take the anti-DeMarco Murray side, and it goes like this. One, Derrick Henry is no joke. That, the Heisman Trophy winner just mowed down hapless chargers last week, and he did most of his damage against the first-team defense. He is a physical beast built for goal line work. He can be Derrick Henry can be a special back, a special back, the kind of guy that we could be talking at this time next year as a top-five running back. DeMarco Murray doesn't have that in him at all. He's few runners have got Derrick Henry's size and power and footwork, and I just think sooner or later, Derrick Henry's going to emerge as the better back. He's going to get the goal line use, which he's perfectly built for. And DeMarco Murray, sure, he was great running behind the Cowboys line. Last year, he wasn't even as good as Ryan Matthews in, his, in the next closest uh, situation that he's got like this. Sure, if DeMarco Murray was, was the only back for Dallas, we'd be talking about him with an elite-level ranking. He's not that guy. Even when he was running well behind the Cowboys line, it wasn't like he looked like a special back. Derrick Henry is a special back. DeMarco Murray's just a guy. He can take advantage of an opportunity if you give it to him. He's not going to have that opportunity. I would much rather have Derrick Henry straight up, let alone blow my fifth-round draft pick on the guy who's not even the best running back on his own team. Okay. Wow. If you believe that Brian was right about DeMarco Murray... And he's a guy you want on your roster? Let's hear it. Let's get some some, some applause. These are my people up front right That's here. right. <laughs> if you believe I'm correct, now you would not take DeMarco Murray. Let's hear it. There we go. Thank you very much. That's what we call a slam dunk, my friends. I always have to battle the host. It's not fair. You always have to battle the host. It's funny how that works out. Uh, guys, tell people what they can expect to hear from you during our off-air portion coming up next. Give people a, a synopsis. Um, I've got some receivers that uh, I'm all, all but guaranteeing will be in uh, the top 25 based on the vacated targets on their either current or new team. So we'll dive into uh, some recent um, examples of that in the last few years and look at guys this year. It could fall into the same category. All right. That's a, uh, it's a wide receiver analysis and how vacated targets on a team can lead to somebody you're not thinking of as a potential big-time producer being a big-time producer. Okay? Yeah, I'm using uh, some schedule analysis to do the uh, hot starts and cold starts at the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver position. You don't want to ruin your season with a cold start. You want to pick up guys who have a a good first five or six weeks. So we're going to dive deep into who you should avoid and who you should grab in your draft. I'm a big believer in getting hot start players because when my team starts 4-1, and one, I've got a bunch of good players and I've got trade commodities. And I can look at their schedule and say, you know, some of these guys aren't going to continue at this pace and I'm going to unload them now. Uh, last thing you want to do is be 1-4 and four, and now you're desperately making deals with players who don't have any perceived value. Probably making so, bad deals too. Yeah. And, and probably making, you're making desperate deals, yeah. So I'm a big believer in the hot start and I think it's fundamental to actually winning your league is coming out to a, a fast start and then being nimble and figuring out which guys you can move. So I'm just going to tell everybody how to win their league. That's what, that's, you're, that's yeah, what so I'm going to do. You're there to win the league. Me too. Uh, I've, I've embraced the opposite drafting strategy, so we're going to identify some of the running backs that you can take later on in your draft that will pay off. And I'm going to analyze all 32 teams and what they do inside the five-yard line because of the direct correlation between what happens at the stripe and what happens overall for their players. It is, uh, it is a direct correlation. 
Uh, thanks, everybody who has uh, participated in the show. Thank you, guys. Everybody who's here, we've got two more hours of goodness coming. The mock draft, all the deep dive stuff. Thank you very much for coming out. We're a 1,000 people deep at Canterbury Park Expo Center, and the fun will continue. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.